Welcome to building a hundred million pound business in public. Four years ago, I was having lunch with my friend Logan when we half joked about racing to a hundred million. And it's always stayed in my head. What does it take to build a hundred million pound business? On this podcast, I ask my network and speak to VCs, founders, DNI specialists, marketeers, and more to share their top tips. Some have made it, some are on the way, and all have a story to tell. Welcome to the next episode, and I'd like to welcome today James O'Donnell, aka Jod of Social Inc. Welcome, Jod. Hi, James. Thanks for having me on. No worries. Perhaps you'd like to just tell people a bit about what what you do. Sure. Uh, well, as James rightly said, my name is James O'Donnell. A lot of people know me as Jod. Uh, in my current incarnation, I am the commercial director of Social Inc., the social media marketing company, but we'll probably delve into some past careers that I've had on uh, in this conversation, I'm sure. Uh, we, we help CEOs and businesses create stories online through social media and uh, build communities. Mm. So it's, it's, it's a lot about sort of content and social media and helping companies make use of that effectively. Yeah, and I think there's a big word here is authentic. It's hearing from the people that are working in the business, creating content from the leaders and the people that are, are involved in the day-to-day rather than marketing platitudes, for want of a better term. God, that sounds so derisory, but it's not meant to, not meant like that. It's just, you know, we try and create authentic content rather than uh, rather than content that's made up on a whiteboard. Mm. So, so when, when you, what, what do you mean by authentic then? So what, what people are actually saying, so hearing from business leaders about their why and their, their mission and, you know, why they got their business started in the first place, we want to try and create content around that because we, we feel it's, it's more authentic than, you know, trying to come up with a, a clever phrase or, you know, a, a, a clever image. People want to hear why people are doing what they're doing. It, it motivates people. It motivates people to make decisions and to get involved and just to follow along of a story. Um, you know, not all of your clients, you know, predominantly the work that we do is in B2B and not all of your clients are going to be ready to buy or invest in your service straight away, but they might be interested in your story so that when they get around mm. to making a decision, they're, they're already kind of bought, bought into what you're doing. Well, so so if you, if you bring that into what we've been doing at District 4, because you guys have been working with us and developing our brand and our story. How, how does how does that play out? So we've been doing interviews with with you, James, from very early on. I'd like to look back at some of those videos now, probably, and it's, <laughs> you can probably already see a, a development, an evolution of the story of, of of what you're what you're doing with District Four. But then also, as the members join, you know, each one of those members has got their own story, their own reason for joining, and that's so motivating. It's you know, for for other mem- other potential members out there, they they're going to resonate with someone. Who joins as a member and think, oh, that you know, that could be me. Maybe not now, but when I'm in a position that I want to make a decision, um, you know, they those stories are going to help influence uh, influence people. And you know, and it's so much more effective in in the world of recruitment to hear from people that are already in roles or have just started roles, because it's again, it's 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 authenticity rather than coming up with a, a clever clever tagline so we've been creating stories around the the members but then also the partners because of the way that you're putting the business together and using partners 
in rector, you know, in the rectorex you're working with and the coaches you're working with and us as a supplier, actually creating stories around them and why they're involved with district four and why they why those businesses exist. You know, mm. it's a it's a bit of a taboo word, but it adds to the whole ecosystem. It adds to the whole the the flavor of what you're trying to build with district four. Mm. So I suppose you can use this people's stories to bring it to life more effectively than what you refer to as, I can't an exact phrase, but marketing. Platitudes. Yeah. Platitudes. Um, yeah. Well, like, you know, if, if you go back to how we, how language evolved, you didn't think we'd end up this way here in this <laughs> conversation, did you? But you think about us sitting around the fire, you know, after a day's hunting store, you know, we, we used to tell stories to each other and that, that has still true today where people lis- like listening to other people's stories. And there's, there's set story structures that, that work, that get people interested, that then people follow along to. And, and the best content tells stories, even if it's written. You know, we do it predominantly through video and, uh, you know, listening to what people are saying because that, that gives a rawness to the, the, the quality and the, uh, the message that's being, being delivered. And you know, people seem to interact with that. We, we we had a look at some stats for for the clients that we're working with, and the content that shares stories produces three times as many uh, views of the content and twice as many interactions. If it's a story based piece of piece of content, and and so that you know that's why you know that that's why we do it, and and, and it's obvious that it works. Also, it's a lot more fun. Mm. You know, you just get to, you know, you turn on the camera, you start talking every now and again, a pearl of wisdom pops out, you know, an interesting story occurs. Yeah. And it's, it's, I think it's a great way of creation. So if, if, if this story, if telling stories is so, is so effective, why do you think more people don't tell them? There's a, there's a couple of different reasons there is because people get scared of turning on devices and pressing record. They feel like it's got to be perfect. You know, you feel like you have to get the dog out of the house and uh, turn on, <laughs> get the lighting working. And, you know, you've got to have your best haircut sorted. Like you don't. People just want you to, you know, turn on your smartphone and, and record what your what your thoughts are. And, and people are a lot more used to that, particularly after lockdown and, and Zoom face. Everyone is used to this kind of content. So there's there's no real excuse there, but people people still have this kind of oh it has to be the best possible quality. Just just tell the story and like if you if you start making money and you you want to spend some more money, then then you can always add add to your mm. uh, add to your setup. So that's that's one. The second thing is that people think that other people aren't interested in them, which couldn't be further from the truth. You look at anybody that's making any kind of buying decision, they they trust brands. Where they've got a personal interaction, uh, you know, a personal relationship with the people that work at that at that business, or the leader, or they follow the the kind of influence that's that's running it, and that personal connection. People might not write down on a piece of paper, "I trust this brand more," but it it happens. People people are more invested in the success of of that business, and I, you know, the most obvious example, and it's so ubiquitous at the moment that it that it's it's almost trite to say, but it's, you, you look at Elon Musk, you know, he's got maybe 10 different businesses that he's, he's running at the moment. And people are, well, I'd say a high percentage of people are rooting for him because of the, the kind of mad scientist route that he's, that he's going down with his social profile. 
and more people follow him than any of the brands that he runs. So, you know, Elon Musk has a lot more followers than Tesla. But you look at Virgin, more people follow Richard Branson than follow Virgin. And mm. more people, you know, follow Bezos than follow Amazon. Because people are bought into these individual stories of, of what people are people are creating. So if you want to take that down a little bit and you look at a startup, you know, someone in your position who's, you know, relatively uh, new in, in, in the journey of this particular business, there are people out there that are thinking about working with you, your ideal client. And if they just look at your website, it's a great website, don't worry about it, uh, with the, and your messaging, that's fine. But if they actually then see you talking about it and sharing your ideas and sharing your passion, just like you are now, they're going to be mm. so much more likely to reach out, start a conversation. Um, and, and when they come to decision time, actually, it's almost before they make a buying decision that they've already made the buying decision because they've built up that personal relationship. And other people that are just starting their business as well are going to get caught up in that. So you often learn... I, I think you often learn best, or you certainly learn the most useful information by looking at someone that's just one or two steps ahead of you. Yeah, it's kind of like the martial arts example, isn't it? Which kind of like the black belt trains the green belt. I, I never know, can never get the belt right, but it's kind of almost like a three three stage structure in like who's training who. Yeah, there's there's you you think you know what if you were just right. Let's talk about martial arts. So if you were a white belt and you went into a black belt class. Okay, and you just learned the theory. You don't have to fight anybody. You just learned the theory. It would mean absolutely nothing to you, and you'd get stressed out, and you'd get confused by the, the terminology they were using. Whereas if you went into a yellow belt class, which is just the one stage above the white, you would still understand what they were talking about. It would still be learning for you. It would still be advanced for you, but you could actually apply that to your practice. And the same is true in business. There are things now as a business that you will be completely ignoring because it's it's only useful for a company that's worth a hundred million. Mm. You know, you you don't start building things now because you're a hundred million dollar company. You build things now because you need to get to the next stage or the next the next phase. And it's it's very confusing because of of how much information is out there. You know, Chris, my my uh, my business partner, uh, talks about there being uh, uh, an attention war because of how much information gets thrown at our eyeballs every single day. And it's so so prevalent in entrepreneurship and startupsville because you look at Elon Musk and you look at Amazon, you look at jobs and you think, oh, that's the advice that I should be following. But day one, you actually probably be better following someone that's one step ahead of you, the person that's going door to door, making individual relationships, knocking on every door themselves, rather than someone who's running a business with a $100 million advertising budget let alone a hundred million dollar business i'm using dollars here are you are you using, pa- are yeah. using pounds in this pounds 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 been talking to too many americans recently <laughs> the uh i suppose what i'm hearing is actually like we, we look at people that we're aware of doing it, people like elon musk or richard branson and you're like that just feels so far away like yeah how am i ever going to do it as well as that and if i can't do it as well as that well Maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I shouldn't do it. Yeah. And actually, if I'm hearing you correctly, it's kind of like, well, actually, it took them a long time to get to that stage, and there are many points to get to that path. So, who around us can we be inspired by? Who's just maybe a step ahead? Yeah. Two one, steps ahead. Yeah, one or two steps ahead, and then having the focus and the ability to recognise the advice that you're being given or you're hearing. Mm. So, 
is this person one step ahead of me? Is this does it make sense for me to action this advice now, or is this a piece of advice that when I've got an an advertising budget of ten thousand pounds a month, that's a piece of advice that I action I action then, and that's so kit. That's I think that's 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 really important for for anybody at any stage in business is to think about the the kind of advice. Does it fit with where you are now? Yeah. I think that's really interesting because I think one of the things we want to do on this podcast is bring people in who haven't made it to the 100 million. Like people are on the journey because I want to get people who've, who have made it because I, I'm sure they can share useful stuff. But it may, it may be in terms of practical what you should be doing today as people, as you say, people who are kind of at a similar stage in the journey that you, you might learn more from. I think when you're talking to someone that's actually made that kind of money is to try and or, or build that kind of business is is probably not to try and get their advice that they're giving now. It's to say, imagine when you were first you'd first started, what advice had you wish someone had given you then? Hmm. Or, or what assumptions had you made about your business that were, were proved wrong? Or, or, or what what should I ignore now? What what was something that you obsessed <laughs> over that actually proved completely worthless and, and you should have been spending the time o- over here? And there's one thing I think that you're really good at is actually is actually picking something to obsess over and focus over over a period of time and then thinking, right, is the and, and then assessing whether or not that's the right thing to be, you know, focusing focusing on going forwards because you've reached a certain certain target. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it can often feel like there's so many things you could do. I mean, even just when you come to content marketing, it's kind of what's your message? What's what story are you trying to tell? Which of multiple different stories are you trying to tell? Um, it's, it's something I still struggle with. It's just just picking that one or two things to focus on. Because if you spread your, it feels like if you spread your uh, efforts too wide, you you can't possibly do any of them properly. And I think there's a way of doing it simpler. So it's to have what we call pillar content. So it's it's key ideas that you've built the business around that that, that means something to you that you can get passionate about and you can talk about mm. and then drilling down on those ideas. So when you're doing a video or when you're writing a blog or when you're producing some some graphics or you know an infographic, it's where within those pillar that pillar content does this sit? And where's the lens that I can apply to, you know, to describe that? So you're basically just telling three stories, but you're looking at different ways of telling the same story. And what that means is that you don't have blank canvas syndrome, um, and and you don't get kind of lost in the lost in the weeds of of your new, um, you know, a, a new, a, you know, shiny object syndrome. You know, you don't get you know, oh, TikTok's here. Let's create some content for TikTok because I know, James, you and I really want to create some content for TikTok. I think <laughs> we would absolutely blow up on it. But the way the way you do that, you don't think, oh, what can we create for that for this new platform? It's like you say, well, what do we already create and how do we, how do we check, you know, tell the same story but in a different different format? And that's one of the great things I think that we do with, with, with District 4 is that it's all, all the content we do is focused around the story. It's focused about, talking to someone, asking them questions, getting their opinion. And then from that, all the content actually kind of then filters filters down from that one uh, that one idea. Um, and then you can repurpose mm. it in loads of different ways. Sorry for crowbarring a little bit of social link, one-hour content in there. 
James, but it, but it's it's true. It's it's. I'm thinking about anybody that's starting up. Is that don't overthink it. Do one thing and then figure out how you can retell something in in lots of different ways. Yeah, I, I think entrepreneurs as a whole, we always have every day comes at least one idea, maybe five, and then there's always a sense of oh, is this, is this the thing? Is this the thing? Is this the thing? So I think having and you almost feel like you need to come up with something new to say every day. But I suppose people just people don't see your content every day. So, and actually, do you, maybe you're better off just saying one thing really well or three things really well rather than trying to say something, having a new angle yeah. every day. Yeah. Well, the, the way, so the way that I do that, because I am uh, afflicted with ideas, is, you know, I have one channel that I concentrate on, which currently is LinkedIn. So LinkedIn is the place where I put out in inverted commas, my best content. That I experiment with content on Twitter because Twitter is so ephemeral, things disappear within like 13, 13 minutes or so. If I have an idea, I will just tweet it. Just, I, you know, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to tweet it out. I don't get much interaction on Twitter compared with what I do on, on LinkedIn. And if an idea then get picked up, then I've tested that idea in a safe environment. And then I can actually then expand on that one liner into something more somewhere else. So, you know, if you are having lots of ideas and and you feel like you need to take action on something or you just want to collect that idea, tweet it out because particularly in the startup community, there's a lot of, you know, really interesting people that you can follow that that are that are signed up to this this kind of idea of building in public. And part of building in public is sharing ideas and and testing assumptions and testing ideas. Um I mm. tweeted something today what is what is people's idea of high value? Just I'd, I'd, I'd seen something that Ogilvy was talking about by of delivering high value. And I was like, well, what do, what do you know, in, in today's world, what does high value mean? And I just tweeted it out there, the thoughts gone, a couple of people have reacted to it. And, and it's, it's, it's content, but it, it's tested content. And then if so, if more people interact with it, then I can actually turn it into something useful, like a like a video or a uh, longer piece of content on on LinkedIn. That content high value segues nicely into the, the key question of the podcast, which is: if you had so, sort of what's your top hundred million pound tip? Well, I I feel a, I feel a little bit of a fraud saying that because I'm not due to make a hundred million pounds until next week. Um, <laughs> So I, I can I I can talk about uh, talk about that now, but this is a personal tip, really. It's it's zig whilst other whilst other people are zagging. So mm. I've always been someone that steps out of my comfort zone, and I think it's something that founders and businesses need to think about all the time. Is if you're doing what everyone else is doing, you're not necessarily going to grow and blow up. So if you can look at what everyone else is doing and think how you can do it differently. That's your zig to other people's other people's zag, and if you do that in public, whilst telling your story, people that like to see change and like to see companies grow are naturally going to get in contact with you. Are going to follow you. Are going to become cheerleaders for your business. They might not be clients day one, but they're going to enjoy the story, and that's going to help you grow at different stages when when you're at the right kind of size to interact with them. And part of that starts with sharing your why, why your business started. 
And if you do that in public, if you zig whilst others zag, you're, you're going to build a community. And a hundred million pound company nowadays, you need a community to support you. Awesome, Judd. That was perfect. Thank you so much for A, the insight and B, taking the time today and uh, look forward to continuing on this journey with you. It was a lot of fun. I'm surprised we haven't done a selfie with the, the red sunglasses, James. Does, doesn't, doesn't work so well on audio. Luckily. No, that's, that's, <laughs> that's true. Well, people can see it on the, uh, on the social media that I'm sure we'll put together for it. Awesome. Cheers, Jod. Thanks, James. Thanks for listening today and hopefully you've taken away one thing to think about or try. Let me know in the comments if there's something you'd like us to explore in future episodes or just reach out on LinkedIn or podcast at district4.io. Let's keep learning and building great companies together.